will be teaching this morning. Uh, I guarantee you it should be exciting. Uh, he's got two bottles of special juice uh, ready to go. I've never seen anyone put uh, Mountain Dew in little bottles, but he wanted to make sure that he had the right amount of energy, but not too much so that he could deliver a wonderful sermon. God bless you. You know, Rick, that is fantastic. Thank you. You know, I, I like getting a little bit of grief here before I go. It's, it just fuels me. And quite honestly, this is, this is about your biochemistry. I mean, we're talking about, uh, you, you, if you're here, you're finding yourself in the middle of a series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And you have this chemistry, this emotional chemistry inside you. You have a physical chemistry, which I will need at a certain point during this, uh, this event. But you get an emotional chemistry. And I'm going to start this one uh, with some wisdom that somebody shared. Is if you don't know how to start an event, it's a crazy thought. Let God speak first. And by the way, we've got some new technology here. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> There's more than one way to skin a cat, though. So, <laughs> hallelujah. This does work, though. Anyway, um, okay, so this is, this is a scripture. We're Irish, and, and, and we have to have a sense of humor. And this is, if you're going through trials, if you're going through various things, if you get this one thing today and leave, in fact, if you're in a hurry, hear this, and then you can take off and maybe go to noodles or something. But, but hear this. It says, Hebrews 12, it says, and have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that, that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate and not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know, I, I love this because this, this just tells you that when you're going through trials, okay, God is in it and God is actually loving you. So it kind of flips this. You're like, why is this going on? And it's like, I always, you know, when I'm going through trials, I'm like, man, God is really loving me right now. In fact, he has been loving me a little longer than I wanted to be loved. And again, you know, we're Irish, and the, and the Irish wouldn't be a people if they didn't have a sense of humor. So when you're going through it, one of the keys to going through pain and suffering is having a sense of humor about it. And uh, I know it, with, this, with this scripture, I always get a sense that, okay, this doesn't seem pleasant right now, but God's doing something. He's doing a work inside of me. He's taking me from point A to point, point B. This is unto me getting stronger. This is unto me getting better. This is un, unto me getting into the place where God can use me. I can enter into my destiny. So it's all about unto. So if you can get that from today's teaching, that's really going to help you. And if you can just get that soaking into your emotions, 
when the surprises, when the trials, when the, as Nationwide used to say, uh, when life comes at you fast, you've got this that you can rely on and know, okay, let me just hold back. God, you're in it. You're disciplining me. You're training me. You're teaching me something, and I can go through it. Amen? Okay, you guys are already in agreement with me. This is great. Um, okay, so um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start out, we're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality, but I'm going to tell you about some severely unhealthy emotional spirituality that we encountered a number of years ago. Um, We had just done a crusade up in Delaware with this crazy group of missionaries, these YWAMers, and a number of you were involved with this. In fact, Rick and Melvin Atta were part of the team. They came into Delaware. We had six months of prayer and fasting and all this wild wild stuff going on. And when it was all said and done, uh, you know, people came to Christ. And at the end of it, um, one of the missionaries that had stayed at our house said, hey, Jay, do you want to go with me to India and be part of, uh, we're bringing some church teams and you can help me coordinate that. And I'm like, well, sure, that sounds good. So away we went. And the crusades in India were much like the crusades that were in Delaware, uh, where like Rick's team, which was made up of uh, all these different strong men, would perform you know, feats of strength. They would do amazing things. Uh, they would share the gospel. They would do an altar call. And when they're in India, they, it took on another little thing where they would demonstrate signs and wonders and healings because for whatever reason, it just, things really happen over there. They're, the people are open to God moving in that way. So, so this was going on. And the job of the church teams, okay, was after the altar call, the church teams are released to go out and pray for various people, pray for healing, uh, pray for sickness, pray for whatever the needs are. And, you know, that was how the day went. Unfortunately, this is the unhealthy part of it, nobody told the church teams, hey, by the way, you're going to run into some spiritual warfare out there, and uh, some things might just kind of jump on you. You might get depressed, or you might see some manifestations of the demonic, or, you know, when you're praying for the sick... Uh, sometimes not everybody gets healed. So the first night, basically, the church team didn't fare very well. Let me put it that way. It's kind of like that, uh, remember the story of the seven sons of Sceva, okay, who were out there and they're casting out demons, uh, you know, in the name of uh, Jesus. And all of a sudden they ran into this one demon and said, wait a minute, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but, but who are you? Or to us, I know Impact World Tour, I know YWAM, but who is this church team? So everybody just starts running and basically got their butt kicked. And we as a leadership team, um, you know, again, loosely formed, we spent a lot of time just having to uh, hold some hands, talk people off the ledge. People were depressed. They felt inadequate. And, you know, we spent the next week just really uh, kind of shoring in uh, uh, you know, our ranks and, and just teaching about, uh, you know, healing and moving in signs and wonders and what happens in spiritual warfare and um, all these cool things. And at the, end, at the end of the week, I mean, it was an amazing, an amazing time of transformation. Uh, still, to this day, I remember um, the last day we were all sitting around. We had like maybe 25, 30 people on this particular church team. And everybody was just sharing how God had moved them from this, this place of just absolute brokenness and you know, you know, just terrible place to just doing a deep work in the heart. And I remember as they were doing that, going around, I was just, I was just like weeping, saying, wow, I got to be a part of people growing. And it was just a real powerful experience. And the Lord showed me a very profound thing, okay, about 
about leadership is that really at the essence of it, leadership, all it is, okay, is going before others, encountering trials and sufferings and temptations, and then helping others navigate through those things with less pain, less hurt, um, just, you know, not the problems that you encountered. So, fast forward two years, we get invited to go on another YWAM missionary trip. Okay, this time, Mag gets to go, so our team is enforced. We had a number of folks. Uh, Joy was with us. Uh, a number of people from this church went, and the first thing we did, I said, Glenn, we got to get people ready. So we talked about spiritual warfare. We told them, this is what you're going to expect. Don't be surprised if you kind of feel a little bit depressed, but don't worry. Shake it off. We're going to go forward. And guess what? Didn't have hardly any problems at all. So it's that spirit of equipping. It's that spirit of preparing you for pitfalls that we're going to talk today about uh, avoiding something that maybe you weren't told in Sunday school. I'm relatively certain when you came to Christ, this wasn't part of the curriculum, okay? Not that it's a secret, okay? But it's something that... uh, you know, you just you need to be aware of. Um, the, the folks at Fuller Seminary uh, talk about this place, and they, it's where people can, uh, you know, shipwreck their faith. They can um, run into problems and maybe stop going on with God, stop matriculating, stop growing in Christ. It's just, it's not a good place in some respects, okay? Uh, and they did a study. Some of these uh, theologians at Fuller did a study, and they calculated that Maybe 85, not maybe, 85% of all believers never get through this place. Okay, they get stuck there. They regress. They fall back. So what, what is this place? Because, I mean, wouldn't you want to know about that so you can navigate through it? In fact, I think that the numbers are so high, the, number, the failure numbers are so high, is because we don't prepare people for this place, this place in God, this place in our matriculation. Because if we did, I think there would be a lot more success. So, so what is it? Well, I'm going to talk to you about uh, the... This is, this is kind of how we grow. This is something that was put together by some people a lot smarter than me at a theological seminary. It's part of our emotional, um, healthy spirituality book. And it talks about this is how we grow. We start off here in phase one. Okay, all of a sudden we realize, hey, there's a God out there. Hey... Maybe I am not perfect, and I need a Savior, and you come to Christ, and there's this transformation. This amazing thing happens. You're, you're aware of God. Then you move into this, the second phase of growth. It's called discipleship. Here, you hear teachings. You hear preaching. All of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. God's calling me a son? You know, I, I, I can't believe this. And you, you understand that you've been accepted not because of how you performed, but you're accepted because you were created by God and that he loves you. And you, you just start to grow, and you hear teachings, and it, it stirs your emotions, it stirs your mind, it stirs possibilities of destiny, but you're in this awesome place as a new believer, um, just, just learning. And all of a sudden, it starts to flow out. You can't contain it. You've got to share with other people. So you find yourself moving into a place of, of serving others, where you, know, you share the gospel. You start giving your money. What a crazy, wild idea. The power and authority to go buy things, all of a sudden, a portion of it starts going to God. That means you're really, man, you're for real. Um, so, so this stage is going on, and a lot of our walk is lived between two and three. Learn more, go out and do it. In fact, you learn something like Jesus healed the sick. You go out, and it's like, hey, Jesus just healed the sick. So there's, there's this congruency that happens that, man, this stuff is true. This stuff works. 
Okay, and you're just growing along. Okay, and then some of the, sometimes this stuff, not only is it just sort of happening out here, it starts to penetrate down here and it begins to change you. You know, you hear a word from God that's just for you. And all of a sudden, that scripture, that memory verse, it's like written on your heart and it becomes real. And there's this inward journey where you start to change. You know, you find yourself, man, I've only used the F-bomb once this month. This is unbelievable. I am changing. You know, I only watched 10 hours of sports in the entire month because I was at Bible study or whatever. But there's this, this inward changing of appetites and feelings and, and uh, just the choices that you're making that God is starting to penetrate inward. And that is really cool because then when you start to minister... You're not just sharing something you learned. You're sharing something that God did. You're ministering from a much powerful place. Does that make sense? Where, okay, you know, here's this scripture. You're like, no, no, no. This is this scripture because God shared that with me in my time of darkness. And you, there's an authority, okay, on that word because it's coming from your heart. You know, Jesus said, I share this all the time, that, that uh, flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives a birth to spirit. So there's just something on what you do. You're doing the same things you were doing, you know, at stage three, but now all of a sudden it's just coming from a deeper place. So we grow on and we go to the next place. And this is, um, okay, yeah. Okay, this is the, this is the final stage of, of spiritual growth. This is where you're formed into Christ likeness, where you become love, you become. Uh, it's the hope of glory. It's Jesus being formed in you. And a lot of those things that you used to do, the, the appetites just aren't there because on the inside, things have, you know, been taken care of. They, you've just agreed with God and you've, you've moved on. So this, this is the sanitized, you know, version of uh, essentially spiritual growth. Now, if Lee Corso from College Game Day was up here right now, this is what he would say to me. He'd say, wait a minute there, Michigan man. Not so fast. Because you're not sharing the whole story. There's a little thing called the Scarlet Wall. And by the time he says that, he puts on the Brutus Buckeye hat, and you guys are all cheering because Lee is going to tell you like it is, and the Wolverine man here is going to be put in his place. But, come on. <laughs> you know, I knew I was going to hit a nerve at some point. I didn't want to, I don't want to play the, the Wolverine Buckeye card. But, um, but no, this is, this is not the, called the Scarlet Wall. I called it that, and it's just Scarlet here on the, on the PowerPoint. But it's a place called the Wall. Um, St. John of the Cross called this the Dark Night of the Soul. You've heard of that. Some of you don't know what it is, but, it, man, it sounds bad. Um, in Scripture, it's, it's, it's called, you know, the wilderness. It's called a lot of things. But this is the time when, uh, when Job, when all those calamities and perils hit Job. It's the time when Abraham gets the word that he's going to have a son, but then there's 25 years of silence, and he's growing old, and the promise isn't going to happen. Or we talked about Joseph last week. Is it Joseph gets the word of the Lord that his brothers are going to bow down to him. He's just in this awesome family, and the next thing you know, he's in a pit, he's being sold into slavery, and it's on his way to Egypt. Or David, who's just the man after God's own heart, is doing his thing. And the next thing you know, Saul's throwing a spear at him, and he's got eight years outside of Israel um, doing things. So that's, that's what the wall is, you know, in Scripture. Um, you know, that, that's what's happening. And it's, it's a time that is usually, 
that we enter into, not because we choose the wall. It's like, yeah, I've been growing quite a bit here. I think I need to go to the wall. The wall is a place that chooses you because as, as good as our proactive efforts to learn and to uh, serve, as, as good as those things are, God wants to go deeper than that. And there needs to be a little bit more force and a little bit more pressure on his truth to get inside your soul, to go into those deep places where the things that God wants to deal with are, are dealt with. Because we don't, we don't choose pain. I mean, I don't know about you, but I am a comfort-seeking missile. I, I mean, I, I get home, I, I want my TV, I want my sandwich. Maggie, could you bring me a glass of Mountain Dew? I mean, that's just that's the way I'm wired. I think we're all wired there. And even in our spiritual walk, I'm interested in this. I'm interested in that. I think I'll go serve here. You know, we're making these choices. We're in control. The wall is just the opposite. You are now out of control. I am taking control over your spiritual life now because you are in a place that you never thought you'd be in. Okay, that's what the wall is. Okay? And typically, typically, as with a lot of these people, it's a crisis that happens okay, that puts you at the wall. Okay? The, um, maybe you know, there's a, you're going through a divorce, which is always crazy. Maybe you've got a, a teenager who's off the reservation and is wreaking havoc, okay, in the lives of everyone that they touch, especially you. Uh, you know, maybe you're diagnosed with an illness or with cancer. Uh, maybe, and I know that this occasionally happens, maybe somebody at the church you go to offended you, where they said something, and it was kind of mean, okay? And you can't go back to that church because there are a lot of mean people there, and they haven't apologized. Or the pastor, maybe even the pastor's done that. Of course, John, not you, okay? But I know I say a lot of careless things. You know, you have to clean up for my talks, you know, afterwards. So, so I mean, I can't believe Jason said that. So I apologize in advance for anything I'm going to say today. But, but the point is, there's, there's a crisis that happens, and it turns your world upside down. And all of a sudden, the cares and the worries of the world start choking out that, that beautiful simplicity of devotion to Christ where you're learning and serving and just saying, oh, Jesus, you are awesome and I love my Christian life. And you're singing that to the Smurf song, by the way. That was the Smurf song. But all of a sudden, you're not singing the Smurf song anymore, okay? You're, you come into church and this stuff just has you, okay? People are worshiping, and you're looking around saying, what are they worshiping? You know, this is, you know, what is going on here? This worship isn't cutting it for me. I'm not feeling anything. Or the preacher starts preaching, okay? And all you hear is this. You hear, you hear Jason going, waka, 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 waka. So if you're hearing that, waka, waka, I really am saying that. So that's not today. That's just in general, okay? But... There's just, there's a dryness that happens. And sometimes you find yourself at the wall just because, I don't know, maybe it's an offense. Maybe it's like I've been a Christian for a long time and things just aren't getting it anymore. Uh, I'm just not feeling the love anymore. And you just find yourself in the wilderness, in this desert place. And you're just not, it's just hard to connect with God. So in the spirit of, and the reason that we're talking about this today 
is, is really because we want to prepare you for this. And you're not told that, that this is a normal, this is, this is a normal part of the Christian life. That, that we think when we're in there, okay, because our emotions are like this. You, we're at the wall and you're like, God, where are you? What is going on here? This, this isn't fair. Why did this happen? I've been coming to church. I've been doing the right things. And look, look what you did. You did this. And we get angry with God. We get upset. We're, we're saying this isn't fair. It's an injustice. I am offended. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, this is, this is the state that you're in. And, and everybody is going to hit this place on some level where God's going to be doing some things like this in your life. But we, what we have to understand, this is the, the point of this, is that this is normal and this is natural for this to happen because sometimes God will offend you to cut deeper. You know, there's a, um, a scripture in Job, and Job, as we know, knows a lot about suffering. Job said this. Um, he said that the Lord cuts, but the Lord also binds up. And just like a surgeon who has to cut an infection or a boil and start to press that infection out. In the same way, God sometimes has to cut a little bit deeper in us because the things that we don't want worked on, those, those little rooms that we have in us, sometimes that we don't even know, the only way God can get to them sometimes is when we're at the wall, when we're under this pressure, where we're in this place where we're fire, where just discomfort comes. And what it does is it breaks us up and it opens us up and it forces us to turn instead of outward, looking for the outward things to come in, but we have to turn inward to ourselves, to the things in our lives, and and just eventually agree with God and process, process through that. So are you guys feeling me about this place called the wall? Okay. Well, who cares what it is? I was, <laughs> I was reading, you know, in the emotionally spiritual, um, emotionally healthy spirituality. I was even talking with John and was expressing some frustration because it's like, okay, I know what it is, okay, and it's rough, and I know God's in it because I, I know that he chastens and disciplines those that he loves, but what are we supposed to do, okay? That is the question here, right? Okay, Jay, if I find myself at the wall, what the heck am I supposed to do? Well, I am going to tell you. This is, this is the word of the Lord. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. So the mandate, the call is this, okay? And it's not complicated. Stay at the wall. Stay at the wall. Okay, how long do you stay at the wall? Well, the Bible's very specific about how much time you spend at the wall. You stay at the wall until perseverance finishes its work. You may think you're done in a couple of weeks. God may say, like in Joseph's case, well, it's 13 years. Okay, or in uh, Abraham's case, well, you're going to wait 25 years. Now, I'm not saying that when you have a wall experience that you are going to be absolutely captured for that long for God to start you know, cutting and doing surgery and pressing and all the things that happen there. But the point is, when you're at the wall, and all of us go there for different reasons, and we have, we have different um, uh, 
uh, processes that we go through. But we go there, and we have a God who loves us and who is very painstaking about us entering into our destinies and our purposes. And he's going to keep us there, just like, a, a, like as parents. We love our kids, and we want the best for them. Okay? He's going to keep us there until it's done, until we get it. That's, that's what, what, what the wall is. And I was talking to a, a friend of mine, Nick Harpster, who, by the way, is in the building, a former wrestler at Ohio State, so he knows a little bit about perseverance. But Nick does some of these um, races, you know, where they have teams that go down to West Virginia, and they're like these endurance races where they'll, like, mountain bike up a rocky mountain, and then they'll um, canoe against the grain, or they might jump off the New River Bridge with their bike and their kayak, okay? (laughs) But they do these things that, of course, I would never even consider doing. But they're an amazing thing. And Nick was telling me, and I don't know if you've ever had conversations with people, and they say something, and you know, God's on that. Okay. So Nick says to me, he says this, he says, you know, Jay, when you're doing these races, okay, you just got to have the mindset. And we have, we have three words, and the three words are this, sustained, forward, progress. That's a word. Okay. When you're at the wall, sustained, forward, progress. Okay. Sometimes sustained forward progress is just not leaving the wall. Sometimes it's just staying there and letting just whatever happens, happens, and just try not to disconnect because the only thing you can do bad at the wall is leave. The worst thing you can do, it's like if you decide, I'm going to take a cruise uh, to Club Med to the city of Tarshish, like Jonah did when Jonah hit the wall. That was Jonah's response. Remember, you need to preach to the... Uh, um... Yeah, thank you. Okay. Um, um, who he hated, okay, I, he wasn't doing that, okay, and not that we would ever be so rebellious when we're at the wall, uh, but he just goes the opposite direction, heads for, for Tarshish, he leaves the wall. That's the only thing you can do, okay, that's bad at the wall. Get this, you can complain at the wall. Bob and Sherry Barbosky, when Mag and I were in our season at the wall, we would have dinner there, and I'm like, I can't believe they still talk to us, okay, because we're like, no, this isn't fair. And they had to listen to the complaint. It's okay to complain. It's okay to doubt. It's okay when you're at the wall to say, God, where are you? This makes no sense. This is terrible. You know, it's okay to do that, okay? You have permission to do that because doubt is not unbelief, okay? Doubt, okay, is just part of the process. And it's kind of like, you know, when the turkey goes in the oven, if, if the turkey had a voice, I'm done, I'm done, but until you stick the little temperature thing in there, nope, you're not done yet, okay? You don't know if it's done, okay? So you're allowed to complain, and God understands that, okay, that we're going to whine, and we're going to complain, and we're going to accuse, and we're going to be angry, and guess what? You have permission to do that because you're in process. It's messy. It's like making sausage. But you're the sausage. <laughs> Seriously, this is this bad. This looks, are you sure they're still a believer? Yeah, they're still a believer because they're still at the wall. Okay, they haven't gone into unbelief there. Okay. But get this. Something mystical and spiritual happens when you spend time at the wall. Um, I've got a, a customer, and I work in like business-to-business uh, industries, and one of my customers makes uh, beryllium copper plunger tips, which I know you guys are all familiar with. You know, it's like when uh, you know, the aluminum die-casting machine is going and it's shooting this hot molten aluminum, there's a plunger tip there, just like a plunger, you know, when you're plunging the cannon. And the metal, oh, of course, Jay, we understand that. We're very familiar with this. But the point is this, is that beryllium copper is pretty good at doing this, but in order for the, that plunger tip to perform as it's supposed to be, it needs to be enhanced. 
So what they do is they take the plunger tip metal and they immerse it into this thing called heat treating, okay? And heat treaters are like, they're not alchemists, but, but they're, they, they know that if I heat the beryllium copper alloy number 47 in the heat treat mixture of all these different chemicals, I will create a unique property where when it comes out after 39.7 seconds or two minutes and 45 seconds, it'll still be beryllium copper, but it'll have new properties. It'll be, it'll be different. It'll be changed. And what it couldn't do as beryllium copper, it can do after it's been heat treated. And what I found in talking with people, okay, who've spent time at the wall, you're like, well, what, what revelation did you get there? Sometimes there is no massive healing, massive revelation. I mean, there are encounters, but you're just changed, okay, because, why? Because you were faithful, because you said yes to the important thing is, God, I'm going to stay with you. I'm just going to stay with you. And I know, you know, for Mag and I, um, when we were birthing um, our ministry, uh, you know, with the homeless. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we encountered a wall because we would be out there and God would be moving amazingly amongst the poor. I mean, people are getting blessed. People are laughing. We're, uh, I mean, us and the, the, the church teams are here just doing all these amazing things. And God was just, you know, getting people healed, helping them move, doing all these things. But in the meantime, back at, at Camp Noland, okay, <laughs> it was just ironic because, God, we're really helping these poor people, but, man, we're getting poor in the process. In, in, in my business, okay, this is, this is just, it's so weird. For my first 15 years from 85 to, like, 2001, I think I had a total of maybe $1,500 in receivables that either they went out of business or something happened. Then all of a sudden, you know, we're doing the ministry. You know, things are cool. And and I think in about a five-year period, I had about seven companies either go out of business, not pay. It was like 50,000 plus. Okay, so we're just getting hammered. You know, and John's praying, the staff is praying. I got people at the Kansas City International House of Prayer praying. Maggie's praying. I mean, Maggie can tell you that there were times she'd be down in the bedroom. I'm in my office, and I'm just there like, I pray that you would vindicate the Nolans. Stop this. Stop this assault. I'm doing spiritual warfare. I'm doing everything. In fact, what I did, this, you might find this somewhat amusing, is that, that I, I wrote down the names of the customers, okay, who owed me money, and I had their amounts up there, okay? And then I found this thing in Proverbs that says, when you steal from somebody, you get benefited sevenfold. So I'm there, I'm decreeing, and sevenfold times $3,000, I decree $21,000 right now. And I'm, I've got like algorithms worked out. And, and I'm sure the angels are up in heaven, and it's like, holy cow, that's some serious math he's got going, because I'm firing up numbers and stuff, and then, okay, then I, I go into, like, I think it's Matthew 10 or 13 that says that, that I will give you hundredfold in this lifetime the things that have been taken from you, so all of a sudden, that $3,000 is like, you know, $30,000, and the $25,000 is $2.5 million, and I'm just like, this is great, this is great, they owe me. Yes. So when I was going through this, I am trying to pull out every kind of like prayer strategy, scripture, whatever, you know, to win the day. And I, I, like I said, the angels have to be up there. Holy cow. 
you know, somebody needs to go down there and tell him that he's at the wall and that he's still got two years left. (laughs) You know, perseverance has not finished its work. Will somebody do it? Because in the meantime, you know, Christianity is being drained of like prayer support. Our church is weary trying to get the Nolans out of their problem because we didn't know I was at the wall. I'm supposed to be there. Don't pray me out of the wall. I mean, God was painstaking. He had to get like six companies to go out of business to keep me at the wall. And hear all these prayers like, oh, even my friend Glenn, uh, who we went to the, the YWAM thing with, he goes, Jay, I don't understand this. We got a bunch of people praying. You're doing all the right things. This makes absolutely no sense. No sense. And of course, yeah, I'm like, tell me about it. I agree. So it's just perplexing, you know. It's perplexing, but, but that's okay. Okay. You know, <laughs> somehow, somehow you eventually get out of it. And, and here's the other thing is that, that when this happens, you know, the other part of this scripture, okay, get this. Okay, joy. Count it all joy when you're here. Okay, it's not real joyful unless you can kind of flip the script and see things as God sees them. Because when you're at the wall, if you are so fortunate enough to find yourself in the desert, in the wilderness, in this dry place, God is saying to you, count this all joy because guess what? I am about to accelerate your growth. There's a spiritual accelerant that is about to happen. And I'm going to go deeper. I'm going into places you don't even want me to go just so I can get you into your destiny because I love you that much. You know, he's saying that. So the wall is really, it's an invitation unto transformation. Let me say that again. It's an invitation unto transformation. I always like it when that happens. But seriously, if we could, if we could get God's paradigm on this, okay, as opposed to our... This hurts, you know, paradigm, and just and just say, okay, this is cool. God, you're in this. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay at the wall. I'm gonna cooperate with you. You know, everything will go well. Because here's here's the thing. This is some of the gold that is at the wall. Is this is that that God invites you into this place, a place that again, by all studies, 85 percent of you won't go, don't want to go, refuse to go, and it's a place called the fellowship of his sufferings. You remember Paul? Paul said, oh, Lord, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection and in the miracles, but I want to know you at the fellowship of sufferings. And you walk with Jesus in that place, and he's there. Sometimes you don't always feel him, but he's there because he says he's there. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. I am there. I remember Randy Clark, who's an evangelist that, that, that Mag and John know. Mag's gone on a number of trips with Randy. Uh, we prayed with Randy, you know, in, in your house before. But Randy is this uh, just amazing healing evangelist that was involved in revivals, if you don't know who he is. And um, there was a time where he hit the wall. He was in that place of, of the wilderness where God started showing him from his Baptist roots that I move in power today. Okay, I am, I am healing and I'm doing these things and gripped Randy. And it caused him to lose his church. Okay, it caused him to lose income for his family. And he was taking a stand that, God, I believe you. And he ended up just being in dire financial straits, was making donuts, you know, from 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. to support his family. And things were really hard. And he didn't know what was going on because he's like, God, I'm just doing what I, I'm called to do. And all he could do, all he could do is take out his guitar 
and worship. And he'd just play his guitar. He'd worship. And he, he wasn't feeling God, but he said, that's all I know to do. And he got one word during that season. And this is a word for us, too. The Lord said this to him during that season. He said, you need to feast on my faithfulness. You need to feast on my faithfulness. So the wall is not about your ability to grit your teeth and to be so strong-willed in your soulish nature that you are just going to hang on. No, no. The wall is about trusting God's faithfulness. And Randy said, and and I I did, and I, I went back to the times that God moved in my life. And I remembered them, and I, I thought on them, and they were life to me. And, and they, they just, they brought life in the midst of the desert, in the midst of the wall, in the midst, I remembered his goodness, and I feasted on his faithfulness. And that is what helped get him through the wall. And, and it's a, that's a word for us. You know Gideon? You remember Gideon? Gideon was the least of the least in all of Israel. And God said, you need, you need to destroy the Amalekites. And he was reticent. He was doing everything. But this is what the Lord said to, to Gideon. And this is also a word. This is a word when you're at the wall. Angel Lord said, go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that you have. I'm weak. Go with that weakness, whatever you have. Go with that because that's enough. Because your weakness plus my strength, is enough. And didn't Jesus say this? He said that, that my strength in you is perfected in your weakness. So it's almost mandatory that we go to the place of weakness and embrace weakness, and we embrace brokenness, and we allow God to go in there and do those things. And he gives us little markers along the way to say, I am faithful. Roy, you remember the, the, the light out on High Street, right? I see a little marker, light, light, feast on your faithfulness. I know for me, uh, the, the Lord in the middle, in the midst of that, in the midst of that, I'm questioning because, you know, things are a little rough with, with my kids, the finances, everything. And I'm thinking, God, maybe, you know, maybe in starting this ministry and doing what we're doing, maybe we just missed you. I think we missed you. And I'm just like, you know, starting to just be sad. And then all of a sudden, the Lord popped into my mind, okay, this time, about Eight years previous, we were in Kansas City, and somebody had a picture for Mag and I that was really off, like one of those prophetic things that's wrong. And they said, we see you too, and there's long tables with food and the gospel and people dancing, people laughing, people getting healed, people coming to Christ. And um, the Lord brought back that, that exact word at that time. And it didn't mean anything there. And then because Meg and I said, oh, they, they must be off. Maybe we're supposed to have people over to our house. I don't know. We didn't know it then. But at just the right time, in the middle of the wall, in the middle of this, our faithful God gives you a little drink of water there in the desert, you know, to say, hey, go on with me. Isn't, he's faithful. He's there. Because that's, that's the thing. If you know God's in the wall, you'll stay there. If you know God's in this, I'll cooperate. But the problem is we think that God isn't faithful anymore. We don't feast on his faithfulness. We don't remember what he's done. But God's saying, stay at the wall because I'm there, I'm watching you. I remember a uh, a number of weeks ago, Maggie, Maggie Ryan talked, and I would like to call part of this talk the tale of two hospital visits where she talked about as a young believer, she went in and had this, you know, hip surgery that was very painful 
and she was essentially perhaps the worst hospital visitor in the history of America. Okay, she wasn't very pleasant, even though she was a believer. But then God started working on her, and she submitted to the wall and the process. And I don't know whether it was, I don't know the number of years, whether it was 10 years, 15 years later, she had the exact same surgery with the exact same pain. But guess what? She was the one ministering to the nurses. She was the one who was at peace during that time. She was the one willing to say, hey, it's going to be painful. It's not going to be pleasant. But you see, God had done his work on the inside. So when things happen, guess what? We've been heat treated. We're prepared for the job. We're there. You know, God's done his work. And I'm going um, to end with this. Um, you know, Randy Clark was... Uh, oh, wow. Randy was um, just praying to the Lord. It was just thanking him for all the miracles and all the amazing things and the nations that were touched. And the Lord, in the middle of this prayer, just said to him, he said, my son, what I remember is you playing the guitar when you didn't know what was happening. In the middle of that wilderness time, when you weren't even sure I was there, if you were doing the right thing. But that, that is what is precious to my heart. So we go forward. We realize, and we get this into our DNA and our preparation that God's with us at the wall. He's absolutely with us at the wall. And there's a number of people here. Some of you have been through the wall and it's been good. Some of you have been to the wall, and you're not sure if you're still there or if you're just dry or dull. But everybody's going to go through it. So we need to prepare ourselves. So why don't you guys stand? We want to have this testimony that God sees us, that we're in agreement. And I'm going to share this scripture. This is, um, I'm going to go back. It's from the Song of Songs. Is it in our heart? This is a story of somebody who's pursuing God in love. Okay, and I want to share this. Open, this, this is, this is the, the, the bride coming after the bridegroom, okay, and just, just following him anywhere. And it says, I opened, my, I opened the door for my beloved, uh, but he was gone. My heart sank at the departure. I looked for him but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. The watchmen found me, and they made the rounds, as they made the rounds in the city, they beat me, they bruised me. They took away my cloak. Those watchmen on the walls. And then she says, she says to her friends, daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him that I am faint with love. The watchmen, the leaders, the church, whoever, that are there to guard, beat her. But it did not change her faith. Her testimony is, I am still in love. And if you see Jesus, because I'm not finding him right now, Tell him, I am faint with love for him. And that's what we have. And, and then the question today as we go forward is this, is, is when you're at the wall, will you worship him at the wall? Will you submit to him at the wall? Because if you do, there's something there for you. And I, I just want, why, why doesn't everybody just come down here? Okay, well, I want to just, as a, as, a, as a fellowship, let's come together down here, and we're just going to worship with one song. And there's a, there's a question that God is asking, and, that, and it's that simple question. Will you worship at the, at the wall? Okay, so if this is, I don't know, maybe symbolic that this is the high wall that you may find yourself at, maybe some of you are in that place right now. You're at the wall, okay? And God's saying, right now, let's seal what you've heard. Let's seal what you've heard so when this happens... You're ready. Amen? Okay. 
Well, like I said, I'm going to invite you. If you want to come down and kneel or whatever, let's do it. But let's, let's worship together with this uh,